0: So verse 14, uh, we're going to go through the end of the chapter. He says, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Now I speak to you as wise men, judge for yourself what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body? Uh, For though we are many, we are one bread and one body, and we all partake of that one bread. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the sacrifices partakers of the altar? What am I saying? that an idol is anything, or that what is offered to idols is anything. Rather, that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You can't drink the cup of the Lord in a cup of demons. You can't partake of the Lord's table in the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he is? All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are Lawful, but not all things edify, Let no one seek his own, but the other's well-being. Eat whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience sake, for the earth is the Lord's and its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invite you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for the conscience sake, but if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you for conscience sake. For the earth is the Lord's and in all its fullness. Conscience, I say, not your own, but the others. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I spoken of for the food for which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, give all to the glory of God. Do not give any offense to the Jews or the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please men in all things, and not seeking my own profit, but the profit of the many. That they might be saved. Uh, I actually want to back up before something we read. Uh, One of the last thoughts from last week was the idea that no temptation has taken you except that which is common to man. We didn't get to that bit uh, before class uh, came out uh, or finished. So why does uh, in all of this discussion of their use of liberties and all this unity and and everything why does paul tell them that no temptation has overtaken them what is that thought how is that thought connected to to what they're they're going through in, in terms of their interpersonal relationships You have this, you have this conflict between people, right? And uh, and and in this particular topic is we're we're, in, we're into idolatry, right? So why tell them? Hey, really, you you're not don't have anything different going on than anybody else. It kind of reminds me of what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes. Mm-hmm. There's, there's nothing new. It just goes around and around and yeah. it's different, you know, generations. Yep, and, and it looks different, right? We, we think, oh, no, no one's ever had this happen. Yes, they have. It just looks different, right? Uh, idolatry just looks different. That's what we were talking about last week is, is how it applies to any generation. The, the things that they were doing are no different. And one of the things that happens is that th- we use this as an excuse when, when we have a behavior that's difficult or uh, whether it be something with unity. Oh, no one's ever gone through what I have to go through with this person or you know, whatever the thing. So, so we fi- find ourselves an excuse not to work on that behavior. Like, listen, you're not really that different from anybody else. Your idolatry looks similar. They might say, "Well, the, the stuff that went on back in Moses' day—that's completely different." I mean, we're not bringing a golden calf into our church building. We wouldn't do that. You know, they, they see a big difference where we would go. You're just going up the street. Well, that to them was worlds different. Uh, we and and so we say today, "Well, we're not going up to a." false temple and sacrificing to an idol I would never do that but we have the applications and and we can find Oh, it's not really that bad we're just you know it's culturally acceptable all those things that we talked about Um, so um, so I just wanted to kind of wrap that up Um, what ways of escape do we have by the way he says with every temptation God provides a way of escape what ways of escape are there? You of, I mean, the first thing I think of is Jesus' temptations. Okay. You know, you, you always have something to lean on, something to remind yourself that you don't have to, you don't have to make that choice. You don't have to go there. You don't, okay. have, to get, you don't have to put yourself in the candy shop. Right. I don't know if that do No, I, that's right. exactly right. You don't have, sometimes you can't avoid that. Um, and, and I think that's one of the things that this speaks to is even in those situations where it feels really difficult, you have a way of escape. But that is one, certainly some, some forethought helps you out of a lot of things. Joseph yep. ran from, from Yep, his... yep, yeah. I mean, you just have to physically run yep. to get a... Okay, <laughs> so, so flight, escape is, is, a, is a means Okay, so then we think of our thought-based prayer and Bible study and those types of things, focusing our, our minds on something else. Like, and, and that even goes along what you're saying, thinking about what Christ did. What you know, uh, and, and this isn't really that hard. I mean, uh, some of the stuff that Christ had to go through. So, so those are thought-based things. Okay, and, and unity, right? Is, and so this all buys into the same thing. Unity. Calling somebody up, like, I am having a really difficult time right now, all right? Uh, that is, those are all, all, and there's more. I'm sure we could go through and get an exhaustive list. When, when people read this, sometimes they say, what's the way of escape? Like, there's a specific magic reset button, or is a, boom, and it's going to pop open, and I'm going to slide out of this thing without any difficulties. No, it's going to be difficult. He didn't say how big the way of escape is. He didn't say it's just going to be this nice, wonderful, uh, carpeted, um, plush uh, exit out the front with trumpets and thank you for exiting the right way and, um, and stewardesses pointing the way to these are all your exits. and um, That's not how the exit always is. Sometimes it's difficult to get your mind trained to this. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to flee. It's embarrassing. Like, I've got to, I've got to leave. Uh, you know, someone that has a, an alcohol problem finds themselves at a wedding with an open bar. Well, that's embarrassing. I've got to leave. Why? Uh, I, 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 now you got to explain why, and that's those are types of situations. Not easy, but it's there. If you want it. I just gotta take a walk. That's weird. You have to take stop too of all the times that you have avoided temptation mm-hmm. and then that helps you to grow and see how God has helped you through other mm-hmm. situations. Yeah, knowing you can do it. There is really a lot of ways of escape. Uh, but sometimes we, we're looking for that unique one to this situation when really they're just common things just as no temptation is common uh, is, is unique to you that they're all common the ways of escape are fairly common too um, you'll find so um, so now I want to get uh, into the uh, into the wrap-up of idolatry and he begins by talking about communion Um and remember that, that the overall topic is unity, and, and we're talking about idolatry and the weaker brother, and he's wrapping this whole section up. And he does so with a, uh, with an, uh, in a metaphor using or adapting communion to this topic. So uh, let, let's start. What are the two elements of communion, and what do they represent? Okay, so, so the, the, the body and the blood... But let's take that a step further now. What does the body, in in the discussion, what does the body represent? Okay. What does Christ's body represent? Oh, that's a good one. Yes, that's very good. So Christ's body is the symbol of unity. All right? We are Christ's body. It represents his life. All right? What does this what what is this what's important about Christ's life? Everything. I mean his whole teachings, his coming from God, mm-hmm. Being a son of, okay. of God. Okay. We do not have to wait until the death of Christ, to witness sacrifice. Right? His entire life was a sacrifice. His living was a sacrifice. Um, his decisions, his priorities, everything he did from moment one. From, he's 12 years old. Didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know that's what I would be doing? How did you escape that? the first twelve years of his life that means were spent setting that example. They should have known that from and he expected them to know that from his whatever he had been doing for the first twelve years now i don 't know when that was observable you know if you can't talk at six months, then you probably can't observe that, but at six years old, maybe i don 't know what he's like like there was something that he so there's a pattern of behavior here and you should have known coming back into jerusalem exactly where i would be and that's amazing and so his dedication produced suffering on his part for other people right and that's really what we're talking about uh, and, and that's going to be important as we look at this uh, at this metaphor that he's applying to how unity and idolatry, how, how, how one is used to combat the other. What does his blood represent? This is the easier one. I mean, the first thing I think of is life. Okay. The, blood, the life is in the blood? The life is in the blood? okay so so i want to love okay there's there's all these different okay we think that's a weird one that's a weird one because we had this discussion anthony's been talking about this type of stuff and he's like he's asking about blood and and, uh and how blood covers sins and things like that and some really abstract ideas it's like well that is kind of a weird thing to pick to to clean things with you know it's like we get blood. It's like, oh man, Google how to get blood out of clothes. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you might be getting a new shirt. You know, I hope that wasn't your favorite one. Because blood stains, it's not something you use as a cleaning agent. Let's put it that way. <laughs> so it's like, and guys, is Here, I'm going to take this and I'm going to use it to clean with. And, um,. And, and that's kind of, it's an abstract concept that's really hard. And I'm like, he's, he's looking at me for an explanation. I'm like, I'm not really sure. I, I have the good explanation for you. Some of these things we take on faith and figure out how God um, does that. But um, blood being in the life is an extension of his sacrifice because it's shed for sins. He gave up what he needed to live. Right. that's um, the ultimate, it's atonement, it's what purifies us. And so, so we take those elements, which he's referring to, because the communion which we, uh, which we break, that, that communion which we share, it's a, it's a sharing in the body of Christ. So let's talk about that, the participation with Christ. And so what's he appealing to first? What's his first thing that he's appealing to? Participation with Christ. What does that appeal to? (coughs) 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 Okay, that's going to be the second thing. The first thing he's focusing on is my relationship with Christ. My communion with Christ. Apart from all other things. He's going to use he's going to use the, the, the center point of that is the fact that I have a relationship with Christ through communion. The first thing I participate is his death and resurrection, his sacrifice. That's the first thing that should affect me. Right? Christ has sacrificed himself. So if I'm going to be connected with Christ, I should be participating with those priorities And those things that made Christ do those things that He did, I should be accepting those same things. Okay, that's the first thing. Then we come to the second part, which is what? It's together we're we're sharing with each other. Um, So He says, "You can't eat from the table of Christ." and demons. And when you get down to it, an idol is nothing. That's just an object. What's underneath that is that demons, which are Christ and Paul, they, they treat these as real things. They're not fake imaginary fairy tales. They are underneath anything that draws you away from God. That's what God hates about it. God doesn't care about a statue of gold. That really doesn't... It doesn't rise to the level of drawing his attention. Demons rise to his attention. So he says, you participate with Christ, and then you have this unity aspect of this. If everyone here is participating with Christ, what are we doing? we're participating with each other. Think of it like a club, all right? You go to a club, I don't know. What clubs are are you a part of? Anybody a part of a club? club. Huh, book club, okay. Anybody else? Harley club, anybody in a Harley club? No, never been in one? Ever been in one? No? What, what, I, didn't, I heard someone. What? They so said we don't get out much. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe home, we have to go past tense. Back home, um, my company was a member of the Walden Club, and it was the highest location in Chattanooga, and it was a, you know, a dining place that okay. you had to be a member of. Okay. Any traditions associated with your, uh, with your clubs? Like anything you do when you get together? Secret handshakes? Yeah, I mean, that would be like. Well, there, there are there. I mean, there are clubs that do stuff like that. I mean, if you go to if you go to a uh, uh, Shriner, yeah, Shriners or stuff like that. Reasons. Yeah. But I mean, there, there's there's all sorts of things that you you do. Like, um, so think. Let's take that example. If um, you go to your club, and you do these. You do these, whatever the traditions are, whatever the ceremonies are, formal or informal. If you don't have a common interest with them, why would you be a part of that club, right? I wouldn't be a part of that club. And I certainly wouldn't. Oh, they do that stupid thing. I was in sales for all of two days. That's my sales career um, we got together and in, in the morning I don't anybody ever do sales okay so so depending on what kind of sales you are this was like person to person sales and and uh, so they got all together in a room and they would jump around and like get as energetic try to get you pumped up I'm like that is way too embarrassing for me I'm out I cannot abide I cannot abide these, these ceremonies. I have no interest. Uh, so why would I get together with, with with people and do the ceremonies that I have no common interest in these things? We we get together and we have a common interest and we do a ceremony marking our common interest. And so it's implied that this is a together thing. A guy, guy talked to the other, last week or the week before, about going off into the woods to commune. That's wonderful. You can do that. You can commune with Christ in the woods, but you can't commune together in the woods. And this is a together one. Because. Paul uses it as the foundation. Paul uses as his, he's going to wrap up his discussion on unity, or on unity with idolatry. He's, and his premier example is communion. That's, his, that's what he's really building up to. He's like, I've really got a great argument. Well, well, if, if communion can be done separately, then it blows his argument out of the water. It's a together thing. This one is a together one. And so there are unity implications. We participate collectively. And, and, uh, and we're interested in the same things. Um, uh, I, I'm not going to ever join PETA. I like meat too much. We have nothing in common together. And so those things together spiritually exclude idolatry. I, I can't be here doing this and out there doing something that's opposite if, I, if I'm communing together, I am making a public statement that I am into the things that we're into together. This is unity, but unity is also there for the keeping us purified. It's that window of escape. Right? So, um, so then he's going to wrap up. He says, are all things lawful? Or all things are lawful, rather. So we ask the question, are all things lawful? Because he makes it like a statement. He says it twice. All things are lawful, but... So are all things lawful? No, you can't murder someone. Okay. (laughs) All right. It says permissible. Okay. That's a little bit different than lawful. Yeah, so, so the word is lawful... So we have to figure out what things he's referring to. And I, I think the idea that I've heard. Well, anybody have an explanation before I give mine? Or my think sos? Well, it's like once you're an adult, uh-huh. you can eat ice cream yeah. all day long, yes. for every meal if you wanted to. But it's not beneficial right. to your life. Correct. It's a, good, it's a good illustration. <laughs> Let's get together afterwards. <laughs> um, I don't think he's saying you can do whatever you want. That would not make sense. Because then there's really no point for the Bible. The two illustrations or explanations of this, and I, I think both of them are fine, I think both of them are accurate. One is, first of all, anything God has made is lawful. There are adaptations of that that we use um, that, that are not lawful. But, but he's speaking within the confines of what God has made A- and the behaviors that, because the, remember this is concluding liberties. And the way all was used, this is kind of another explanation I've heard, and probably both of them together, that all was used like many. Um, not all sin relates to money. right? The uh, love of money is the root of all evil. And no, it's not. It's So some put in there all kinds of, <coughs> even though that's not really what it says. That helps us explain in our language that the love of money is the root of Many kinds of things. And it seems to be a, a lot of them. <laughs> but I can get revenge on somebody and it has nothing to do with money. So um, I think that's maybe the concept here: is All kinds of things are lawful. That we would come under this umbrella of liberties <coughs> and, and rights and that we've talked about for two chapters. But looking at that group that really large group of things that we enjoy and participate. Really, the majority of things that we do in life are fine with God or have a fine application. <clears throat> but they're not all useful not just to my own health, but to the health of other people, the spiritual health of other people. They don't necessarily benefit. Now, they might not even hurt somebody, but but. Uh, so we, we kind of gauge is this something that hinders somebody neutral or is beneficial right? and, and so, so there's these different categories any of those other two are fine when it comes to the point of not directly hindering somebody is it, okay that's not necessary and it's not building up it's not doing something so um, I think that's that's the explanation there. Uh, You might have a better one. If you do, please share it. Um, Some of these are difficult uh, because of the idioms and the way they use their words. So he says something interesting. What does verse 25 sound like he's saying? Chapter 10, verse 25. If I just read that by itself. Okay. And so it says, ask no questions for the conscience sake. Now, if I don't have any more context other than that, what does it sound like he's saying? If you know where it came from, then it becomes a problem. Okay, it sounds like he's talking about my conscience. (coughs) But he clarifies later on. Now, he's speaking this... the the nature of this context has been as though he's speaking to the more mature people, right? Even though it's good for all people to get this, even the less mature. He kind of seems to be directing this uh, lesson towards the more mature people. So he says, uh, when we go down, he says, uh, this was offered to, someone says, this is offered to idols. Do not eat it then for the sake of the one who told you It's not for your own conscience. Why? Because you're a more mature person. Your conscience is not going to be defiled by this. You know where it's from. You know what it means to God. God doesn't care. It's just meat. And then he explains that. He says, when I say conscience, I'm not talking about your own conscience, but the other person's. And that is really, to me, that is... It's interesting. Uh, And I know I overused that word. But it just it. There's a lot there, so I want to dive into that because he talks about two groups of people. Who are the two groups of people that he talks about that you would offend? Besides the Jews, no. So it's not even. I mean, that would be one group. But in here, he gives two illustrations in this text. Okay, so 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 he talks about the people that are selling it to you in the marketplace. So he talks about you're going over to somebody's house. That's presumably another Christian, whether Jew or Gentile. It's it's going to be another Christian, likely a Gentile, because it's meat sacrificed in the in the temple, and no Jew is going to be having that on his plate. That's just not a thing. Um, and and so he says, uh. You're going over to somebody's house. They're going to have meat. And they say, this was sacrificed to an idol. Uh, is that okay? Don't eat it. You know right away that they're unsure and, and, and the, probably they're telling you to figure out. Now all of a sudden you're in the position as a mature person of violating their conscience. Don't do it. Because they're obviously having a problem with it. But the seller to me is interesting. Why the seller? Why the merchant? You can have an effect on them from a Christian standpoint by refusing... Okay, how? You're correct. Because you're showing them that it's not... What's assumed here? What is assumed here that's taking place that's not spoken of directly? That you're sharing in that oh, Okay. You're, you're, you're so close. There's something happening that Paul assumes is happening in the marketplace. oh okay there's a sharing of faith there's a sharing of faith that's being assumed here you're talking about your faith with people because a merchant isn't going to care one way or the other they're selling the stuff they don't care about getting it they know where they get it they get it from the temple so they're involved so they're not going to be offended by it they participate in it all day long but Now I'm going to go to them and talk about it. Oh, so there's an assumption that when you go to the market, this is an opportunity. The public places you go are an opportunity for you to share your faith. Now comes the question of here's these behaviors that they're engaged of or with all day long, the table of demons just stay away from it because you're going to confuse them. They're not going to get the difference. This is, uh, I'll give you an example. We went over to uh, Ukraine. And and so we are trying to teach them about the worship of icons because the Orthodox Church, is, it's, it's kind of similar to the, the Catholic Church, only with a lot of golden pictures and I mean, that's what their church building is. They don't even have chairs or pews in it. You go in, and it's like a museum where you look at pictures on the wall, burn some candles, listen to a choir sing a song, and do the thing, and you go. And, and that's church. They don't have a sermon. They don't have anything. It's stare at pictures of, of this saint, and you're blessed. So now you're teaching them that this is really not what God had in, in mind. And you you go through a lot of lessons because this is a deeply held for generations and centuries religion. So in our church, we're not going to put a cross on the wall. I don't think there's anything wrong with a cross on the wall. It's just going to confuse them. You're going to get them out of one thing and they're like, you told us we can't go and have stuff on the wall. And you come here and you got stuff on the wall. I, I, I don't see the difference. Just don't do they it. Help, they, they help right. That has that you go right. The that. I don't know. They don't get right. the difference. So until they get the difference, just don't do it. So so you're talking to a merchant, and the merchant's like selling stuff, and you're like, I can eat it, but you can't. Right? Or, or you know, like, they have no idea. Well, it's connected, but it's not remember that these people have no background they don't even know who christ is you've got to teach it from the ground up we're coming into a time in this country where people are growing up and there was a time where everybody knew religious things and religious speak and and all of the things we are in a ever increasingly pagan society that, that is kids have not been raised with christianity they don't understand basic principles they're going to be more and more like these people that, that Paul is speaking about. The idolatry is getting greater in our country. It's different. It's worshipping celebrities, and it's worshipping this, and it's worshipping that. Looks different, but it's still pagan. We kind of have to be sensitive to, uh, to how that's increasing and, and, and remember it, and he's giving these principles that just... They're timeless principles. They work and they look different. But uh, the the importance of understanding all things are lawful. It's not necessarily beneficial. So he's going to conclude. Oh, uh, let's see. Before we do that, I want to ask about verse 29 and 30. Are these contradictions? He says, now when I say conscience, it's not for your own, but that of the other, why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience or limited we just went through three chapters of him saying because of other people's conscience you can't do this and now he says why should you be limited in what you're doing by another man's conscience, does that sound like a contradiction to you, Okay, it's not, so we've got to figure it out and I've wrestled with this one I'm ready 8 billion uh, commentaries and none of them agreed on this because it's a hard one and I'm not sure I have the right one. Uh, we're going to... Does that? Does anybody have an idea? Well, you're condoning it. You know it. You partake. Okay. So, so, I, so in something that is uh, seeming to be wrong, they could possibly look at you as being wrong and that, that's what he's saying to avoid because it's not a requirement. You but he says wrong. why but he says, why should I be limited? I don't need to be limited by somebody else's conscience. Even I I'm not wrong, I could cause that person's path of salvation to stumble and okay. with that path. So that would be a, in that would be where a situation where I would be limited I would allow myself to be limited by another man's conscience, and that's what he's set up this whole previous chapters, but now he's saying the opposite. Now he's saying, "I should not let my self be limited in partaking what God has allowed me to partake of because of another man's conscience. And that's opposite of everything he said. And I think there's only one explanation. And and I think we've covered it before. And it has to do with the overgeneralizing of what we've looked at. Those principles where people kind of get this idea that you have to give up. If you have a weaker brother, you have to give it up in total. Completely for the rest of your life. And there's this idea like, well, you're just expected. And I think he's saying, no. I'm not going to give it up. I enjoy this. I'm just not going to do it in front of them and I'm not going to do it where they'll be offended because then they're going to have an excuse to justify themselves or uh, to judge And, and everything I've been working for is going to be undone. So in one aspect, I'm not letting them, I partake thankfully, I understand that there's nothing in it, I can eat this meat. And if I do it, in a particular way, I will not cause them to stumble, and I will still be able to partake with gratitude. Right. So it's not a contradiction, uh, but we're, we're seeing that things have a proper way to promote unity. <laughs> fine line by being a hypocrite. Yes, you're right. It, 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 there is a fine line. Um, it, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example. Um, we went to a church uh, and they didn't believe, which I agree, that alcohol is a sinful substance. I was raised that way. I know better now, having studied the Bible for myself. But we got to this church and they made a, a point of alerting anybody that might be visitors that the Outside was grape juice. The communion thing. The communion tray, the outside row would be grape juice, but they had box wine on the inside of the inside circle. And whoever either announced that or whoever poured it did the wrong one. And I, I had the nastiest... Box wine. Maybe all box wine tastes like that. I don't know. But it was nasty. Okay. Uh, and, And it's like, was that necessary? Was it necessary? But it was somebody wanting to show how much they knew and how smart they were. And it is the to me, it was the epitome of this. This whole chapter. Look how smart we are. Love. Edifies. Knowledge puffs up, makes you think how smart we are that we know better. Love edifies. It was not necessary. I think, too, you know someone has problems with Halloween. Yeah. But you enjoy celebrating it. Yeah. So you know they're coming over to your house. Right. You put away the things sure. that would offend them. Yeah. As soon as they're gone, you put them back out. Yeah. You know, so it's just something yeah. that. You know, you appreciate their feelings and Mm -hmm. their We have a a greater problem, too, in this than than they did back then. It's called Facebook. Ooh, I post everything. I post my whole life on Facebook. Guess what? You're now very visible and very public. That makes it a lot harder to do these things that Paul said because, okay, you're going to do that thing that, that makes other people want to participate and you're posting pictures of how wonderful fun this is. You're posting pictures of all the great restaurant we had to and had all this wonderful wine and there's alcoholic people watching what you're doing. Don't post it. They don't need to see the Chardonnay that you're drinking. Enjoy it in your own home. It ain't something that you just post. It's even if you comment or share. Yes. Our lives are so public, and we've said, see everything. It looks different, but it's the same. It looks different. So, uh, just to wrap up, because in verse 31 through 33, he concludes, and he says basically the same three things don't give a legitimate offense. Right. remember what offense is it has nothing to do with people's emotional response well, they're doing that that's not offense offense is when I don't want to do something because I feel it's wrong but everybody else is doing it and I feel like I'm awkward or whatever and so I need to go along with it and I need to be involved in it but I'm, I really feel that this is a sinful thing because of the way I was raised because of whatever don't give legitimate offense. Um, don't fall under peer pressure? Yeah. So, well, don't, prom- don't, don't be the peer pressure. People go along with peer pressure because that's what they do, because they're weaker. Don't be the peer pressure, unless it's for a good thing. Uh, he talks about his purpose in doing this. What's his ultimate purpose? <clears throat> Okay, so that's, that's one idea. So that that's pertains to our legitimate offense. He says, give no offense. Verse 33, he talks the, the closing idea that he gives. So they, can be saved. so they can be saved. Whether they're Christians already and he's just trying to get them there all the way, or whether they're not Christians yet and he's trying to get them in the door, uh, so to speak. His entire reason for doing everything he does is to get people to heaven. So his liberties and his even to him his rights were second place to all that. It was a life of sacrifice, and the most important idea in these verses is what. Most important idea: whatever you do in word or deed, do everything for God. Everything is worship. Even stuff that's liberty and not directly pertaining. If it's done in thankfulness, it's worship. So we're going to conclude there.